with a new podcast every day of the Premier League season. This is Football Social Daily. Covid is causing chaos again as Brentford against Manchester United is off in the Premier League tonight. Positive cases at United mean that tonight's clash in London has been postponed and after similar outbreaks at Spurs and Leicester this week, just how big an issue will coronavirus become? We'll dissect the decision to pull the plug on that one on today's show, as well as the plug being pulled on the Champions League draw yesterday. UEFA dropped a huge clangor and massively messed up the initial draw. Was it an innocent mistake or slightly suspicious? That's on the agenda today and we'll debate which Premier League side has the toughest task after a complete redraw. Plus, there are two games in the top flight tonight that didn't crumble under COVID complications. League leaders Man City host a lead side with some sizeable holes, whilst Dean Smith welcomes his former employers Aston Villa to Carrow Road just a month after his sacking. All of that to come on your daily Premier League show, Football Social Daily. My name's Niall and alongside me to go through it all, we've got Ben Ibsen. Welcome back to the show, Ben. How are you doing? Thank you very much, Now I'm doing good, thank you. Apart from all the football being cancelled around us as we head into this festive <laughs> period, but staying positive. Yeah, staying positive, testing negative, as the old uh, terrible saying goes. And alongside Ben, we've got Joel Tudor. How are you doing, Joel? Yeah, I was just about to say I'm feeling positive, but that's not the right thing to say, is it, these days? So, uh, <laughs> I'm feeling negative. <laughs> Well, before we started recording the show, you said you had a dry mouth and I was like, oh no, it's, it's beginning. Dry mouth, then the fever, then the cramps. It's all happening for you, Joel. <laughs> yeah, can confirm. It's just a, a water thing. So you don't have to wear a mask when you listen to this. Good stuff. Now, we shouldn't joke too much about coronavirus. Obviously, it's still affecting people right around the country and indeed around the world. There are still people dying of this terrible disease and that should not be forgotten, but it has taken a victim in the form of Brentford versus Manchester United tonight. That game is off in the Premier League due to positive coronavirus cases in the Manchester United camp. A number of players and staff have returned positive tests. United's training ground of Carrington was closed down for 24 hours starting from yesterday to try and limit the spread of the infection and it's resulted in the end in the game against Brentford tonight in London being called off. That follows the game at the weekend between Tottenham and Brighton, which was also called off due to similar circumstances. The Premier League say that they made the decision after consulting health officials. The announcement came pretty late last night. We'll talk about the timing of it in a second. But first of all, Joel, does this show how coronavirus is still a huge issue in elite sport. We've had two big Premier League games, one at the weekend and one tonight called off in a matter of days of each other. Yeah, and who would have thought it would have been a year on since, you know, when City were the first team, um, obviously aside from the March period when it first started, but, you know, who would have thought that it would have still been such a huge part of sport nearly two years on now. Um, with the United game last night, I'm just so surprised that it took so long for them to come to a decision. Um you know, it's not like the Grinch that stole Christmas is over COVID and I don't think you need to deliberate too much when a club is reporting that it's got so many positive cases. Um, but it is, it's a strange one how it's just continued to kind of wreak havoc into sport continuously. But I think it's just the case of the fact that a lot of athletes are still not vaccinated. And to a point, I can understand it because unlike many other job or like typical people athletes rely on their bodies for their careers and I think a lot of them are very apprehensive about potential effects from it but I mean when you only have to look to Germany when you see uh, Joshua Kimmich from Bayern who's now out until the new year because he has a, a lung 
complication due to not being co- due, uh, due to not being vaccinated and contracting COVID. So it just shows the severity of it if you actually aren't, and that you're playing a bit of a gamble. Like I said, if you're the a person who has a profession where you rely on your body to actually perform, so. It's a big issue and with this game that's been called off, I feel really sorry for the fans because I know a lot of people who are going to be travelling down to Brentford um, and the fact that the Premier League has left it until midnight the night before when a lot of people have booked time off, they've arranged trains, they've arranged uh, accommodation and all of a sudden everything's off. Uh, that's why I'm quite baffled as to why it took so long to just come to a decision on something that's pretty straightforward in terms of it's not like the club's going to be lying about cases or they needed more preparation time it's kind of just it is what it is isn't it in this uh, circumstance and you know the same with Leicester and Spurs they're in the exact same boat where you can't gamble on this kind of thing because obviously we're in a period now where it's a very tightly congested fixture list and if you're gambling on teams playing each other when they have reported cases and you're constantly playing teams the likelihood of it spreading is just very logical um so i think it is very wise just to spread the fixtures out a little bit more now and obviously give the likes of united spurs leicester these games off um and to be fair it probably will end up benefiting each team obviously you don't know the severity of what each player has with it um but as we saw with city last year i mean they came back and went on an incredible um, winning run. Obviously, I don't think United, Leicester and Spurs are going to go in the same type of run, but it'll be interesting to see the reaction when they do come back because, as we know, in the Premier League, you don't get any time off at this time of year, whereas, obviously, Germany, Italy, uh, France and Spain, they all get a month off straight. So it will be interesting to see how the added break time during this period actually influences things, but, obviously, it's not a typical break. It's due to the fact that a lot of them have COVID as well. So that's going to impact things uh, quite differently. But yeah, I'm just, I'm quite annoyed at how there's just been zero consideration for the fans on this one more than anything. Well, let's build on that then, Joel. Let, let's build on what you say. Like like you mentioned, the decision was made last night. It was announced by both clubs and the Premier League, but it was a possibility, Ben, 48 hours ago. You know, there were reports emerging that these positive cases had cropped up amongst United's players and staff. And so this game against Brentford was immediately thrown into jeopardy as early as two days ago. So do you agree with Joel and think that they probably could or should have called it off earlier? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, there's a huge question mark lingering over the fixture from the weekend fixture, really. And the question has been, is the game going to be ahead? People saying there's going to be a 10% chance of the game happening. And when fans have got to travel such long distances or staff, workers, journalists of the game, they've all got that in their heads. They've got to plan what they're going to do. And the question is, why did they have to take so long to make the decision? Obviously, we don't know the insides and outs of the situation. But I just want to turn to Joel's point when he was saying, suggesting about the athletes and how it affects them a lot more than it would people who don't work in sport and things like that. And Victor Lindelof was clearly struggling at the Norwich game. He he had breathing problems and it looked as if you could maybe link things in terms of that. But if you look at Norwich's previous opponents, Tottenham Hotspur, they've also contracted COVID cases throughout their ranks. And I'm not pointing pictures, fingers at <laughs> Norwich in any way, shape or form. But obviously, it is easy to link them both up. But when... 
when it's known throughout the ranks that there are cases in there and the games clearly can't go ahead if it's not 100% safe. The FA Youth Cup was played at Old Trafford last night and there was a few faces that you would have probably expected to be there for that game who clearly weren't there because of these COVID reasons. And that makes you think that if them decisions are being made last night, how come it just took so long for this decision against Brentford to be made? Not at, at 10 to 11 in the, in the evening though as well. It's such an interesting yeah. time to make the decision. A lot of people won't have found out until they woke up this morning. Yeah, it's a great point. And during Project Restart, Ben, when those games were played behind closed doors to kind of finish off the season 2019-20, when COVID really first became uh, as big as an issue as it still is, a lot of people were saying that the Premier League um, need to put the fans first and they alleged that they did that by making all the games available to view. Every game was televised. And when fans came back this season properly, you know, this there was this big agenda to suggest that fans were being placed at the forefront. But... It seems sadly like the, the league has reverted to type again and fans have become an afterthought to, to the broadcasters. And yes, broadcasters are a big reason as to why the Premier League clubs get as much money as they do. But like you mentioned, you know, th there were, would have been people like what you both say would have booked time off work to go to this game, you know, around the Christmas period as well. That That's that's money that, you know, people probably won't get back. And that, that's as disappointing as anything. Well, exactly. And I'm glad that you've raised that point, actually, because I think in this situation, a lot of people will forget more about the safety of the fans and focus on what's happening in the 32-player squads, etc. But if you've got 32 players that are contracting cases between them, between the two teams, then what's 30,000 fans going to happen to them who are sat in close proximity in a stadium without too much restrictions being in place? Then it just puts major question marks on the safety of the fans and whether or not it should go ahead if them there but obviously everybody wants to see stadiums full of fans especially as we run up to the festive the busy festive mm -hmm. period but you sometimes you just got to take a back seat and, and question the safety of it which also suggests if a break is going to come into place do you think we'll see more games called off then i hope not but i can imagine we will because sometimes you just got to look at the safety aspects and use your common sense in terms of if we cancel a few games now, can we continue with the season? There's, there's been talk already of the whole season being abandoned and, and not playing any more games because of the outbreak of, of this new virus. But I wouldn't like to see it happen. I'm sure nobody would like to see it happen, but I can imagine that a few will be cancelled in this busy period in run-up to Christmas. Yeah, no doubt. And as Joel's already mentioned, Leicester... And Tottenham have also had illness outbreaks in one form or another. Leicester had a combination of coronavirus and a different illness, which has struck down a few of their players who weren't involved in that Europa League game against Napoli and indeed in their weekend win over Newcastle United. They didn't have any games called off. Tottenham, though, did have games called off. Both their European game against Wren and their weekend game against Brighton was postponed. And... These developments, Joel, how concerning are they? Because as Ben says, that there's a lot of positive cases cropping up. 42 amongst players and staff across the Premier League this week, which is the highest weekly figure since January. Yeah, you can get down into the small details of it all, but I think that it's just a very big combination of things. I think one big part is that I think a lot of people have become quite careless to it um, in terms of the spreading of it. Because I know, like you said, when Project Restart happened, they were doing player tests out of the cars um they were con they were constantly on the ball with it and let's not forget in project restart just to go back to the fan point 
they, they started charging fans £15 to watch each game on Sky Sports, which got quickly abandoned. So I don't think there's ever been any consideration for the fans whatsoever throughout the process. Um, and I don't think it will ever change. But yeah, in terms of, you know, I think now they're really starting to up the regulations again in terms of testing plays before they even get into the car parks um, and just making sure they can nip it in the bud straight away. But it can co- it can come down to many different things. I'm not like a virologist. I don't exactly know the ins and outs of what's going on with it. But um, it's a case if you can't play with it, because like I said before, athletes are probably if not the most at risk group not in terms of you know health but in terms of they're probably the most paranoid group um in terms of sports just because if anything happens to them then that's their career kind of down the drain a little bit and we've seen what it can do to like people's breathing and um any other kind of symptoms you get from it like i mentioned joshua kimmick who's out until the new year because he's got lung uh, issues so it's not something to play around with and that's why i'm so surprised that the premier league has took so long with it because it's a pretty logical solution to just postpone a game it's not and you know obviously because qatar world cup is in december next year I don't see any harm in pushing forward games slightly into the summer. I'm not saying into July, but pu- pushing forward the fixture list a tiny bit because it might be necessary at the moment if there's going to be too many games postponed because you don't want a situation where a lot of teams in the table like Spurs, like Leicester, are going to be three, four, five games behind everyone else. They can, then they're going to have to reschedule all those uh, games around March, April time. It just it is very difficult on the managers and the players, and it might add even more strain to them. The players need a break, though. I mean, if you, if you lay it all out end to end, season to season, the last few campaigns, obviously we had a, a big break when COVID first started between what was it February and July of the nineteen twenty season in early twenty twenty. So we had project restart. We had a, about a three and a half week break, and then we had the start of last season. And then we had the Euros in the summer, of which multiple elite players were involved in that tournament. And now we've got this season. We'll have a, a break in the summer, or perhaps not if those fixtures, as you suggest, are pushed back into the summer to get them played. Maybe the season ends a little bit later. And then we've got the start of next season. And then next winter, a year from now, we'd be right in the heart of the 2022 World Cup. So these players would have played almost two and a half seasons, including two international tournaments consecutively. And we talk about players and looking after them and stuff like that. You know, that's going to be a huge issue when it comes to fitness and the health of players. And and that doesn't even include throwing coronavirus into the mix. But anyway, that's just my opinion. Brentford versus Manchester United. That game is off. COVID cases in the United camp, the reason for it. But let's move on because it is depressing talking about this. Because I don't think it'll be the last time we'll be talking about a game in the Premier League this Christmas being cancelled due to COVID-19. So we're going to have a little break and afterwards we're going to be talking about Manchester United again, but this time in the context of the Champions League draw where it was a real faux pas from UEFA, which caused the draw to be completely scrapped and it had to be redone. We'll talk about that next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. 
Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social, your daily Premier League show. And right throughout Christmas, every single day of the season, in fact, we'll have a brand new episode for you. So if you hit subscribe or follow, whatever it may be, on whichever platform you listen to this show on, you'll be bang up to date with all the latest in the top flight. And there are loads and loads of games this Christmas. As we approach the festive period, have you got your beer fridge sorted for all of those Premier League games that you're going to be kicking your feet up and watching over the next couple of weeks well if the answer to that question is no then i've got a solution for you and that solution comes in the form of beer 52 beer 52 is a monthly beer club and they're giving away eight free beers if you pay five pounds 95 postage you'll get them delivered to your house ready for christmas if you take advantage of this offer by the 17th of december however because you're listening to this podcast football social daily you can get two free beers on top of the eight you'll already get. It still remains 5 95 postage. That's all you have to pay. And to get those 10 free beers, log on to beer52.com forward slash football. Once you're on the website, you can choose between light beer or dark beer. And each case of beer has a different theme to it. So it might be from a specific country or it might even be festive themed beers, seeing as we're approaching the Christmas period. You'll also get a couple of snacks thrown in to wash the beer down with, as well as a free magazine all about the life and art of brewing beer. Once you pay your 5 95 postage, which is all you have to pay, you'll be enrolled into the monthly beer club, which is £24 a month. But that's no strings attached. You can pause that or cancel that at any time and you can still be left with your 10 free beers. As I say, all you have to do is pay 5 95 postage. Why not take advantage of this offer from us here on Football Social Daily by visiting beer52.com forward slash football and get those beer fridges stocked ready for Christmas. My fridge at the moment is an absolute shambles. It's got wine in there. It's got beer in there. There's cider in there. There's vodka. Oh, I've got all sorts of stuff. But no matter how much of a shambles my fridge is, it couldn't have been as bad as yesterday's Champions League last 16 draw now I'll try my very best to break this down for you so bear with me take a deep breath and try and concentrate because it does get a little bit confusing UEFA as always making a hash of the simplest of tasks here's what happened yesterday it was required that there needed to be a complete redraw and the reason for that was because Manchester United were drawn against Villarreal in the round of 16 As per the terms of the competition, the rules of the Champions League, you cannot be drawn in the last 16 against the team you've already played in your group. So instead, Villarreal were drawn against Manchester City. And by mistake, Manchester United's name was then excluded from the pot they should have been in, containing Atletico Madrid, with Liverpool being placed in there instead. And again... That wasn't allowed because both Liverpool and Atletico were in the same group. It was just a complete shambles. You've probably completely lost me even just explaining it there in layman's terms. This is what UEFA had to say. Following a technical problem with the software of an external service provider that instructs the officials as to which teams are eligible to play each other, a material error occurred in the draw for the Champions League last 16. As a result of this, the draw has been declared void and will be entirely redone. Now, I'm out of breath, Joel, even just explaining that. How much of a shambles was it yesterday? I'm tired with you just explaining it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's an absolute shambles. I don't understand how you can get picking plastic balls out of a bowl so much of a difficult task to do. It's, 
obviously you know with UEFA I'm surprised I'm, I mean I'm not surprised that they pushed the blame onto someone else not like UEFA at all um, but yeah I think honestly the only suspicious thing for me was the fact that City and Chelsea always get the easiest draws I mean I think you could have done that a hundred times over and they would have still gotten one of Salzburg, Lille or Lisbon 100% um, but yeah yeah it's it's one of those things, isn't it? It happens, mistakes happen, and I think the team that's going to be the most annoyed is going to be Real Madrid, just because, one, we know that Florentino Perez is desperate to get a Super League going, um, and he's also desperate to get Kylian Mbappe to Madrid. So I think, obviously, having the Benfica tie taken away from them is going to be a tough one to take. Um and I'm not, yeah, I'm just, I'm not quite sure how you get something so simple as pulling balls out of a box, but I mean... I think the draw, it had to be done because I don't think Madrid can have any complaints that if one team is invalidated, then the whole draw is invalidated because you don't exactly know how many other balls have been put in the wrong uh, bowls and that kind of thing. So it had to be done and it's the right decision, 100%. I mean, everyone was saying, oh, United want a new draw because they got Paris Saint-Germain. But I mean, it would have happened to any other side if Chelsea would have gotten... So it, so it would have been the same result regardless of which team. It just happened to be that United were the team that were the wrong ones in the wrong bowl. So it happens and it had to, it had to be done and that's fair enough. Um, and yeah, the mistakes happen. But yeah, I think I think Madrid are just going to be the ones that are going to be the most annoyed at that. But you can't have any arguments. It's impossible to because it needed to be done um, to make every... I think it would have affected the credibility of the competition because it, the whole uh, fixture tree, uh, sorry, the tournament tree would have been completely different if it would have gone ahead. Um, and I remember when I was watching it and, you know, I think City got drawn out after us and I was thinking, hold on a second, are we allowed to draw draw English sides now or as it should be? Um, but no, they make it so complicated that you can draw every other side that's got an A and a, a V in the name. And yeah, they make it ridiculously complicated more than it needs to be. Just put pot one, pot two, let's draw it out and let's just see how it goes. But, you know, UEFA need to have all these clarifications and criteria and uh, hot balls and cold balls. Oh, did I say that? Um, so. <laughs> well, hold it there because we'll come on to that because I think that there are some question marks as to whether it was a genuine, honest mistake from UEFA or because of their previous track record, there was some slightly suspicious circumstances surrounding that last 16 draw what I will say is I agree with you I think it was completely the right decision to have the draw redone I think it would have compromised massively the integrity of the Champions League had they pressed ahead with the original draw Um, we'll talk about the original ties and the new ties in a second but what Joel said just there Ben is something I completely agree with about how complicated the draw is you can't face a side that you faced in the group stages in the last 16 you can't face a side from the same country as you I mean there are only two small permutations but in the context of trying to do a draw with millions of people watching it can be quite confusing for me I'd rather just whoever you draw in the last 16 is whoever you draw there's no permutations just pick names out of the hat and whoever you face is whoever you face what do you reckon well, that seems to be football, doesn't it? If you win your matches, you play whoever is in your way and you beat them and you continue, continue. It's so complicated and it's hard to keep up with at times. But yeah. I just want to bring up that it's probably the second sporting suspicious story in the same two days. If anyone out there watches F1 or watch the race at the weekend, I'm sure you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But going back to the Champions League draw, it's just so complicated. But I agree with you both. They had to redraw. 
they had to redo it. And it would have been the same for any team who was missing out there. I don't think there's any suspicions against Manchester United. It would have been the same for all of the teams out there. But just looking at the draws, Joe made me laugh when you said Chelsea, City, they always do seem to get the easy draws. Manchester United <laughs> do always seem to get the difficult teams. Well, let's take a look at those original ties, which were Manchester City against Villarreal, Chelsea versus Lille, Manchester United against PSG, Liverpool versus Salzburg. And that draw was completely scrapped. And so the new ties are Manchester City against Sporting instead of Villarreal. Chelsea got drawn against Lille again. So that tie stays the same. Manchester United were drawn against Atletico Madrid instead of PSG. And Liverpool have Inter Milan instead of Salzburg. So who has the toughest tie in your opinion, Joel? You've mentioned how Manchester United had PSG. That looked like a a tasty clash. Three out of the last four seasons, those two sides have met in the Champions League in one way or another. Chelsea have managed to keep the same opponents. Liverpool have got a slightly tougher one, Inter instead of Salzburg. But City, they did have Villarreal. Now they've got Sporting from Portugal. So uh, who do you think has got the toughest game? Oh, City always managed to get away unscathed, don't they? Um, yeah, obviously it's going to be us with Atletico Madrid. I think, though, um, it's the best time to play them. Obviously, six years ago, I would have not fancied our chances against that Simeone side, who had probably one of the best defensive sides I've seen in years. I think right now they're at their worst. I think they're coming to the end of the era with Simeone in terms of the team he has. It, majority of that side who um, allowed Real Madrid to get La Decima has pretty much been dismantled now. Then there's only about four four players and they're all kind of coming towards the end of their prime era, I would say. So I think it's the best team we could play, especially considering the fact their style of play is very, very different to the way United's style of play is in terms of um, you know sitting back, whereas obviously Paris Saint-Germain, I think it would have been a way more dynamic game um, I was kind of looking forward to Paris Saint-Germain, to be honest, but uh, we've not played. I'm surprised that we've actually avoided Atletico Madrid in so many years. I think the last time was it 1991 or something like that, um, which is quite crazy. But I think I think the interesting tie for me, I think Liverpool versus Inter Milan is a very interesting one. Um, just because Inter are, I think, second in Serie A at the moment. They've had a pretty good recovery since Antonio Conte left in the summer. And they have a they've had a pretty nice revival considering the fact that they've lost two of their key players in um, Hakimi Ashraf and Romelu Lukaku but obviously with Liverpool they seem to just be wiping out any kind of opposition that comes their way so I, I seriously would not doubt anything that Liverpool absolutely dismantle them as well um, and yeah obviously like I said needless to say with Chelsea and City they get a nice bypass into the quarterfinals um, and it's just us that has to fight for our place. <laughs> well, Chelsea will be quite happy with, with Lille. Uh, they'll be cautiously optimistic uh, of progression in their defence of the Champions League. Liverpool had Salzburg, now have Inter Milan, uh, and City, as we say, probably couldn't have hoped for, for two better sides than Villarreal first off and then Sporting, but it will be Sporting who they face. I think in the Champions League, it's always bigged up quite a lot who you get and having a favourable draw, Ben. But, you know, these teams, it will be the games of their lives for some of them. Um, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but for a team like Sporting and a team like Villarreal, that, uh, you know, they, they'd love nothing more than to progress through to the, the next stages, to the quarterfinals, just to upset the odds a bit. 
Exactly. These players, this is what they're there for. These are the games of their lives. They're Champions League players. They're the underdogs. Everyone loves an underdog. And I would love to see Man City or Chelsea being pipped by Lille or Sporting. Because like I said, it does look like they are going to cruise through. But you'd love to see an underdog story. And like you said, these are Champions League matches. Things don't get much bigger than this unless you're representing your country at the World Cup, etc. But for a, a club, this is the peak of performance for the season you want to go on you want to do as good as you can in this competition and even when you look at Manchester United Atletico Madrid these are the games that they'll want to play they want the big teams they want to show that they can go all the way in this competition and they'll play the hard games at the beginning of the tournament and PSG Real Madrid as well I think that'll be a very very interesting game Ramos of course playing against Real Madrid his old team that'll be a fiery encounter um, but I'd like to see it, what, one thing that I would have loved to see was when Bayern got drawn against Atletico Madrid when United was faced with PSG in the previous draw. That I thought that would have been a game to watch. But I just want to mm. put a question to you two. Would you have rather played PSG or would you rather have Atletico? Oh, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I, I, the PSG was always going to be tipped as the Ronaldo versus Messi game. And I think that that would have been interesting, not just because of that matchup, which everyone no doubt would have picked out, but also the fact that Pochettino is the manager of Paris and Manchester United uh, have been linked with Pochettino so many times. So in terms of what I'd rather see as a spectacle in terms of entertainment, you'd have to say the PSG game. But in terms of United's chances of getting through, Joel makes a good point about Atletico. Maybe it's a good time to play them. So I'm not too... Uh, too worried about either I think that Manchester United if they can perform at their optimum on their day they're, they're more than a match for both of these teams but that's the issue that they face this season is that consistency and playing at the top of their game on on a regular basis which we haven't really seen enough this season from them so I think from an entertainment perspective PSG maybe if you're picking a team that you'd rather face at this moment in time you choose the Spaniards but I'm not sure what you think Joel um, yeah, I'm, I'm in total agreement with what Ben said. I would rather prefer, I, I'm happy with both draws in terms of drawing Atletico um, and Paris Saint-Germain because let's not forget United have been put out by teams who, like Sevilla, Wolfsburg, Leipzig. No one wants to get put out by a kind of subpar European side. Every single fan and probably every single player wants to play the best teams. Like I live for these big European nights at Old Trafford. <laughs> When, so you know, what you're saying is you're going to get knocked out anyway, but you'd rather get knocked out to Atletico than hey, to Salzburg. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> listen. Manchester United, Ronaldo, Messi, they'll meet in the final. That's absolutely fine now. So, <laughs> All right, let's talk about the big elephant in the room. The draw was scrapped, the first one, because of some big mistakes. Was that an honest mistake from UEFA, Joel, or was it too suspicious to ignore? Well, they got caught red-handed live on TV, so I think they had to come clean with it. Um, it's not like the alleged, actually it's not alleged anymore, the um, the corruption that's been going on in that organisation where it's been behind closed doors. I don't think it's a case of corruption or anything like that. Um, it just seems like a very honest mistake, and I think the way you can see that is the fact that during the draw, um, when I think was it Villarreal were meant to be drawn out, Man oh no, sorry, when Atletico Madrid were drawn out, um, United's name on the actual board behind the official was in red. So obviously he's just going straight off the prompt to say, oh, Manchester United have been drawn, so they can't be drawn, even though it was a error in them being drawn. So 
it does seem like an error just that i don't know how on earth you get an error like that wrong it just baffles me considering how long they do with the build-up and how long they have to prepare for it is like longer than the new james bond movie so um you know they have a long time to do stuff like this and you know but for me it doesn't surprise me as you wait for what have they got right in the last years not much at all um but yeah like we all in agreement and i think everyone's in agreement the right thing was done which was the fact that the draw was invalidated it had to be redrawn and absolutely no team can have any any kind of um disagreements with it i know madrid wanted the draw to go ahead because their uh, draw against benfica was done right before the united ball got uh, got brought out which i don't agree with because the whole draw gets invalidated regardless um you don't know which balls have been kind of messed with um further on from that so yeah it was the right decision and the kind of bottom line is this, you have to beat the best regardless. So it doesn't really matter when you get them. If you're confident in your abilities, you should be able to beat anyone at any time. So yeah, I'm happy with the draw regardless. Well, Man City face Sporting Club de Portugal. Chelsea have French side Lille. Liverpool face Inter Milan and Manchester United have Atletico Madrid. They are the confirmed last 16 ties for the Premier League sides in the Champions League after a bit of a sh- show for want of a better term when it comes to that last 16 draw time for another break and we'll return back to Premier League focus after this games involving City, Leeds Norwich and Aston Villa all tonight in the Premier League, we'll talk about them next after this here on Football Social Daily Football Social Daily Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily. Two Premier League games tonight. There was due to be three. Of course, United against Brentford at Brentford is off due to COVID complications. But City versus Leeds and Norwich versus Aston Villa will still be going ahead. Let's start with the league leaders, Manchester City, who are top of the table. They've won their last six games in a row. Do you think that we'll be likely to see that continue and, and be made seven against Leeds United tonight, Ben? I think the, the opposition in Leeds United, it's going to be an interesting game. Obviously, Leeds in the middle of this tough run that they've got. They played Chelsea last time out, but I was very impressed by the way that they took it to Chelsea. They really put the game to them and a couple of decisions maybe swayed the game in Chelsea's favour. But I'd like to see Leeds come out and do the same against Manchester City tonight and cause a couple of upsets at the top of the table because Leeds as well, they're struggling. They need the points. It's looking very tight and close at the bottom of the table and it's looking... It's looking tight and close at the top as well, but by, between those three teams. So I think if City do win tonight, which I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of betting people will be thinking will happen. But I'd like to see Leeds, we know they play exciting football already. I'd like to see them take it to Manchester City. And the football that both teams play, I can see a lot of gaps being created and a lot of opportunities there for the taking. So it's about which team take their chances. But obviously Norwich, Aston Villa as well, they're playing tonight. Norwich with a bit of a fight back. They've probably put themselves back in a situation to save their season. And Aston Villa aren't doing too bad themselves, really. So that's another game where both teams would love the three points. But yeah, shame. There's only two games tonight rather than a couple more. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that Norwich versus Villa game and we'll come on to that in a bit more detail in a minute. But actually, eyes from Leeds United will be on this game between Norwich and Villa with the way things are in and around that lower mid-table region. City, though, just two points between them themselves at the top of the table and Chelsea in third. It is tight. There's just no room to breathe there, Ben. I mean, City lost to Crystal Palace 2-0. 
and then they went and beat Manchester United by the same scoreline at Old Trafford. And since then, they've they've won the last five in a row following that United game. So, you know, after making a bit of a slip up against Palace, they've responded really, really well and capitalised on a few occasions and instances of drop points from Liverpool and Chelsea. So despite the fact that they're now in pole position, they are top of the table. They can't afford to slip up or drop points, such is the nature of this season's title race, where it is, as you say, so tight. Well, that's it. And that's what makes the Premier League so exciting, especially this season, as you just mentioned, because when these teams are looking like they're going to pull away at the top of the table, they always trip over one fixture or drop points in one place. And it brings other teams back into the race. And like you said, separated by two points from first to third. And all of these teams are in exceptional form. City, Liverpool have won their last five. There's not many teams that you're going to look at in the league and say they're going to go out there and they're going to turn these teams over. So I think in this period as well, fingers crossed, no more fixtures do get cancelled and the season can continue as it does. Because I think once it gets down to it, towards the end, it's going to be a thrilling title race. And it's hard to really call who's going to be the team in first position at this point. Yeah, it definitely is. But Manchester City are in good form. They've got a decent run between now and the new year as well. They've got some winnable games. I think they've got a game with Arsenal, which is probably the standout in terms of their toughest test. Um, But they face Chelsea on the 15th of January. But there are still six games, I think, between now and then. So maybe there might even be a bigger cushion between themselves and the Blues when that game takes place. But it is Leeds tonight. And speaking of Chelsea, that was who Leeds played at the weekend, Joel. And they made life difficult for them. Chelsea needed a 94th-minute Jorginho penalty to win the three points. Do you think they can make life equally as difficult for City as they did for Chelsea? Or will it be a step too far? Um, is is difficult because obviously City at home they've only lost one game all season, um, and since that slip up against I think yeah Crystal Palace in October they've not dropped a single point, um, and I think you know with Guardiola's side he's a, they're a side that respond very very spectacularly where they don't end up going on a slump of negative results they seem to always go on a bit of a uprise but with Leeds they've been quite unlucky considering obviously their main players in the side have had really bad injuries obviously Bamford's been in and out Calvin Phillips who was one of their players of the season last year has been in and out there's been kind of alleged reports of a rift between him and Bielsa which I'm not sure if that's the case um Rodrigo I can't imagine Calvin Phillips having a rift with anybody seems like the nicest guy ever but then is Bielsa does not seem like a guy who takes any (laughs) uh, crap either so I can understand it on that side too but it's Leeds have been pretty valiant, I would say, in the way they've approached games. They just can't seem to convert draws to wins at the moment. Um, especially, for example, you know, they had that 2-2 draw at Brentford where they only just sneaked it in, in the last minutes. And then obviously the Chelsea game. However, Chelsea seems to have a bit of an Achilles heel at the moment. Um, I've not been massively impressed with them. And I think they were very unlucky. Obviously, they conceded two penalties in that game. And I mean, if you're conceding two penalties, you're more likely than not going to end up winning the game. But I've been massively impre- impressed with one player who's really um, rose to the occasion above the rest, and that's Rafinha. Um, considering the fact that he was one of many great players for Leeds last year, he's been the player who's really been leading them, considering, like I said, how many players have been out for them this season. Um, I don't worry for them too much. And with City, I think you need to take that blueprint that Patrick Vieira took to City, which was that you should not go there and just kind of accept a thumping. You really need to just 
be strategic in terms of you have to accept that City are going to dominate 60-70% of the ball. It's fat to have the players to do it. Um, if you're a good counter-attacking side like Palace are, where you've got the likes of Zaha, like you've got the likes of um, Edouard, who's very clinical in front of goal, and you've got a very solid midfield, Leeds have the capability to do that. I think it's just if you've got the bravery to do it, because City can really suffocate teams pretty easily. Um, but yeah, exactly like Ben said, I, I, I would like to see Leeds give it a go because when you come up against these sides, you either accept that you're going to get thumped and move on to the next game or you actually try and do something. And I think, you know, with the likes of Brentford, um, who've taken it to Liverpool, got that 3-3 away draw, teams like this are the teams that you need to kind of model off a little bit. And I would, I know you said, uh, now that, you know, you can't afford to drop points this season, but I would probably say you could. I think the team that wins it is just the team that capitalises on the mistakes below them. Because as we've seen, you know, Palace got an away win at City. Brentford got an away draw at Liverpool. Uh, Burnley have been taking points off Chelsea away. I think there's, there's points to be had this season. Um, and I, I, feel, I feel like there are fragilities in that top three. I understand what you're saying, but it's it's just the interesting way that football works in terms of you get three points for a win and, and one for a draw. So, you know, drawing two games is not as good as winning one, losing one. And I think that's the problem you've seen with teams like Chelsea and Liverpool who have drawn games. I mean, even Crystal Palace, if you want to take a look at the bottom of the table, no side has drawn more games than Crystal Palace this season. But I don't think Crystal Palace have been poor, yet they find themselves in that bottom of the table shake-up. And it just goes to show that, you know, you can lose a game and, as you mentioned, still not be out of it if you go on a winning streak. Whereas if you draw three games in a row... Um, it, you know, it's it's the, the equivalent of winning one and losing two. That's just how it goes, despite the fact you're unbeaten. So, you know, it's just classic table mechanics. But with every team really fighting for that Premier League crown, those three we mentioned, City, Liverpool and Chelsea, it is shaping up to be a really interesting Premier League season, as Ben says. In terms of team news, no Calvin Phillips, no Patrick Bamford, no Rodrigo for Leeds, some obvious holes in their squad as they travel to the Etihad. For City, only Joao Cancelo is suspended after picking up his fifth yellow card before the cut-off date in the Premier League, which is match day 19 of the Premier League season. So not for a, a couple of weeks just yet. So he'll be suspended. Kyle Walker will be the obvious replacement for him at right back. So City versus Leeds tonight also taking place at Carrow Road is Norwich against Aston Villa. And just a month after being sacked, Dean Smith faces Villa for the first time. It only took him eight days to get the Norwich job after he was dismissed by Aston Villa. He says, Ben, that he's over it. He's over his time at Aston Villa, but it's easy to forget he's an Aston Villa fan and he did mention in his press conference that he'll always be an Aston Villa fan. Do you think that the fact that he's coming up against a former club will play much of a part in tonight's game for Norwich or is it just something to talk about, a bit of narrative in the build-up? I think it's a bit of narrative, but I think it's a bit of it's that bit of edge. He's going to want to go and he's want to going to get this win. They're coming to his patch. They're coming to Norwich City. He's going to want to beat them even more so than probably any other team in the league to not only just prove a point, but just show that 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 he is the man for the job and he is the person that that wants to turn it round. Obviously, it's the battle of the new managers. Stephen Gerrard in at Villa taking his job. He's going to want to get one over on him. And I think no one can really complain with the decisions that was made at Villa. I think Stephen Gerrard's a fantastic appointment. But don't get me wrong, Dean Smith will be hungry to get that three points tonight. And you've got to admit, there's been a huge shift in the style at Norwich City since he's come in and taken over from Daniel Farker. And I think a lot of people are excited around the football club. Obviously, 
kept United to a 1-0, only 1-0 deficit at the weekend. And I think that they will fancy the chances against Aston Villa tonight, even though they've also been playing impressive football under Steven Gerrard. But I think Dean Smith, yeah, of course, it's a great narrative to take into the game. But I think it will give him and his players, when he's in the dressing room, giving him that team talk, that little bit more of hunger to go out mm. there and grab the three points. We both watched Norwich against Manchester United at the weekend and they made it tough for United in their last game. David De Gea was given man of the match. It was a Cristiano Ronaldo penalty, which Dean Smith didn't think was a spot kick, which settled it in the end as Ronaldo buried it and it finished 1-0. Despite the fact they made it tough for United, they lost and they stayed bottom of the table. Uh, Do you think that they're back in must-win territory for the Canaries? I think... It is must-win territory, definitely. I think if they get the three points tonight, they're only six points behind Aston Villa. And I think if you revert back to the first five games of the season, you would have probably thought that they wouldn't really stand a chance of, of staying up because they, they started so badly and the, the points that they had after the amount of games that they played was very poor. But I think they're in a position now where they've given themselves an opportunity and you've got to act upon that opportunity. Like like Joe mentioned, when a team drops points, you've got to act and that's when you've got to pick the points up to jump up the table and, and regain places. But I think that Aston Villa, it's going to be a tough game for them tonight. I think United, they did play fairly poorly against Norwich at the weekend. And I don't think that helped them in any way, shape or form. I think it may look better than maybe they did play. I know they played well, but it maybe did them more favours than it should have. And I think Villa tonight will be even more difficult game because Villa will be hungry for it as well. Yeah, they certainly will. Villa have actually only lost to the top two, Man City and Liverpool, since Steven Gerrard took over. The most recent of those results was against Liverpool at the weekend where it was a 1-0 defeat at Anfield for Gerrard. Do you think they'll win here against Norwich tonight? Joel, I mean, they've not been spectacular. They've not blown anyone away in those games that they've had under Steven Gerrard, but they've been steady and that's exactly what they needed after Dean Smith left the club with Villa having lost five in a row. So do you think that they'll be eyeing this one as a three-point banker or will it be a bit tougher than that? Uh, Well, like you said, they've only, in Gerrard's first five games as Villa manager, he's only dropped points and they're against the two best sides in the league. So he's done very well against the teams, you know, obviously Brighton on his first game. Uh, Crystal Palace and Leicester and you know all three sides have been very good in the league well apart from maybe Leicester but obviously Brighton and uh, Palace they've been probably two of the more standout teams in the mid table Um, but I do think obviously at home Gerrard will be wanting to kind of build on the foundations that he's already built obviously two straight home wins on the bounce sorry um, two straight home wins against um, Brighton and Leicester obviously they slipped up against City at home but I think it's a very tasty encounter just because the way in which Dean Smith left was a little bit bitter for me, just in terms of the fact that obviously they were on a five game consecutive uh, losing streak. However, they were losing nearly all, well, not all, but a majority of their first 11 in terms of, you know, the players who actually signed, like Danny Ings, Buendia, uh, Tyro Mings, Concert, all these main players, which any team in the Premier League, if they're losing majority, of their starting eleven, you're going to suffer regardless. And obviously, it's looking now like it was a a smart change because they've got that new manager bounce. Um, they they look very good on the pitch at the moment. They look way more energetic. But I think Dean Smith is going to be like that. He's like that situation where you see your ex girlfriend in the bar and you want to kind of bring your new one in to make sure you look like you're impressive. Um, and I think he's really going to be wanting to get one over Aston Villa today, big time. However. You know, obviously the game Norwich against United, 
I think United made them look better than they actually were. Uh, we, they made it very hard work for themselves. Uh, Norwich weren't... They, they were in the game, but they just didn't have the enough quality. I think, as Gary Neville mentioned uh, during the game, if this if that was a game where they had you know a top 15 goal striker up front, then I think the result would have been very, very different. Um, it was just the fact that they just didn't have the quality on the day. However, with Villa, I think they're going to be very massively up for it, but I just don't think they're going to have the quality to beat them. Um, I don't think Norwich are going to have the uh, quality to beat Villa, but, you know, Dean Smith knows all the secrets there. He knows how their players play. He signed all of them. Um, so it'll be a very interesting encounter, and I think the Villa fans will definitely welcome him back warmly because obviously he's done a magnificent job for them. Obviously, he took over when they were in the championship and he, he made them into a pretty formidable top 10 side, obviously with Grealish there. Um, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be a very interesting encounter. But I just think Villa have got a little bit too much quality for them at the moment. No Grant Hanley for Norwich tonight. Brandon Williams back in the fold after he couldn't face United, who of course are his parent club. And for Villa, marvellous Nakamba looks like he could miss the game, which will be a blow to them. He's been one of the most standout performers for Steven Gerrard since he took the reins at the club. Just before we finish the show, Jill, I think that's the second podcast in a row that you've mentioned something to do with having a girlfriend or getting a girlfriend. So I'm just wondering, have you pinned up a load of mistletoe around your house and are you waiting for someone to come and <laughs> stand near you? Because you keep mentioning it. Tis the season to be jolly now. <laughs> I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. Joel is available by the sounds of it. So <laughs> this is this is not I'm a... pretty sure the demographics like 40 year old guys. So it's not. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not a matchmaking podcast. But you never know, Joel. You never know. Love gets found in the strangest <laughs> of places. That's it for today's Football Social Daily. Thank you, Joel. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate your company as ever. Don't forget, if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of the podcast. Again, Premier League previews and reviews available on our website as well, sport-social.co.uk. But for today's show, that's it. And we'll catch you next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.